Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to the Gamerpreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Bradford Carlson. Today, I have a very special guest with us. I have Keith Haas. He's a cultural anthropologist focusing on video games, and I'm really excited about this one. Hey, Keith, how's it going? Doing pretty good. How are you? Fantastic. It's a beautiful, sunny day in Las Vegas. How about yourself? Uh, I don't know. I haven't looked out the window yet. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Keith, why don't you go ahead and just tell us a little bit about yourself, and then we'll get into it from there. Okay, uh, as you said, I'm an cultural anthropologist. I have degrees in history and anthropology. I study what's called uh, intercultural history. That's what happens when cultures meet each other and how they interact. Imagine Japan meeting Commodore Perry. I study that kind of stuff. Only I look at it from a specific lens, that of video games and how they've affected the world and the uh, culture that's being made based on video games. Very cool. All right, I, I really want to dive into this. Before I do though, I have every interviewee answer a single question. I'm going to have you answer it just like everybody else. Okay. So on a scale of one to 10, 10 being high, how weird are you? Uh, one morning I woke up with a Scottish accent. And it was an interesting thing because I went to a job interview and this woman kept on asking me what part of Ireland I was from. And by the end of the interview, I was telling her I was going to stab her with a unicorn horn and shove thistle down her throat. And I didn't know that those were references to Scotland. I was like, I've been absorbed by Scotland this morning. So that's how weird I am. So you're like a two then. <laughs> yeah. I love it. All right. So this is the Gamerpreneur podcast. So I do need your gaming cred. When did you first start playing video games? Uh, I think the first video game I ever played, I was four at a Chuck E. Cheese. But really, if we were to talk about when I really started to get into games, I was eight. I got into a car wreck and uh, I was on my back for a long time. Uh, and so I had an Atari 2600 with me and just a bunch of games. And that's where I really just started playing the games and enjoying them and just really got into video games because of that. Okay. So it was a lifelong passion from there. I mean, obviously you ended up in a career focusing on video games. So I'm assuming so. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say I was the kid who knew what a Neo Geo was in grade school. So yeah, I was definitely the video game geek throughout my life. And it was a shock when I became an anthropologist at for video games. I love it. Okay. So then do you have time to play now? Cause I know, you know, generally professionals have less time, but are you playing anything? Uh, I am playing, uh, well, what is it? Ninjago for the PS4 right now. It was released for free and it's just uh, something to help me kind of deal with time or uh, calm down. All it's right. a fun little exploration game. I love it. Okay, so this question is a little different for you because I'm sure you've played a lot of different games just to be able to get that exposure. But if you had to pick one, what is your all-time favorite game and why? Wait, wait, wait. Um, I would have to do it by category or something. Like my favorite arcade game is uh, Gunslinger Stratos, which is a fairly recent game. Came out three, four years ago, and it's got a bunch of uh, mechanics so that it has uh, two light guns that can hook up, and it has controllers on them. And you can, and you're you're uh, running around in a deathmatch level, and how you hold the guns will actually change the way you're attacking. Very cool. And it's just. A really fun game. 
Okay. So is that going to be your final answer? You just chose one category and went for it? <laughs> yeah. My favorite arcade game, Gunslinger Stratos. I love it. I, uh, if I had to say mine, as, as far as arcade goes, it would probably be a Time Crisis 3. Uh, because I haven't okay. been in a, an arcade in a long time. Huh. Well, you should ch check out Time Crisis 4. It came out two years ago. Oh, I didn't know there was one. Oh, geez. Where's the nearest Demon Busters? <laughs> uh, well, you actually have a, um, what, what is it? Gameworks in Las Vegas. Right, absolutely. Uh, I'll have to check out if they have it. I'm there like all the time. Yeah. Okay. Plus right. every casino in the area has an arcade. You just have to know how to look for it. I did not know that. <laughs> I'm checking out the strip as soon as, you know, the Rona's over. Oh, all yeah. right. Okay, so Keith, let's, uh, that's, thank you so much for your gaming cred. Let's move over to the preneur part and kind of learn about your professional history. Why did you end up becoming an anthropologist? Uh, simple answer is I've always been an anthropologist. When I was in eighth grade, I was reading books about medieval history, and I noticed that the gang members in my school were uh, mimicking a lot of the same behaviors. And I was just like, what the heck is going on? So I told them, hey, I'd like to hang out with you to understand this. And they let me hang out with them. While I was hanging out with them, uh, a gang war broke out. And I got to watch how they organized and how they maneuvered themselves and how they promoted themselves. And to this day, I'm just like, what the heck? Uh, my parents got a lot of phone calls from the police going, why is your son hanging out with gang members? Do you know that he's joining a gang? And I'm like, no, I'm doing it. I'm doing it because I want to understand medieval knights. <gasps> and I, I was thinking about that when I was taking my first anthropology class. My professor just went, okay, this is what uh, anthropologists do. And I was like, but I, I do that already. Doesn't everybody do that? And they just kind of looked at me and went, well, congratulations. We know you're a major. So, yeah, that's how I became an anthropologist. Uh, the same thing happened with history. All right. Cradle to grave. I love it. <laughs> yep. Okay. So can you kind of go into a little more detail of what exactly is anthropology and what does an anthropologist do? Okay. An anthropologist's job is to explain one culture to another culture. And the best way for us to do that is to go into the culture as best we can, interview people from there, and kind of participate in it as best we can. So then we can come out and explain what what is going on, how things are happening, and who is doing what. I, I think that is the most simple answer I've ever heard about anthropology. I love it. Okay. Um, so how, why did you end up focusing on video games? Because obviously anthropology is this huge, diverse area. But why, oh, yeah. why this one very specific niche? I was actually studying intercultural history for the most part uh, in my academic career. And... I had a professor, uh, Steve Kent, who is the writer for the Ultimate Video Game History Book, or however it's written. Uh, everybody involved with that book is semi-sort of dyslexic, so the, the name just keeps getting swapped around. But uh, he wrote this book, and he was teaching my class. And so, you know, we'd hang out and just talk story about it. And uh, I asked him one day, I was like, okay, I want to do... A historical research on it. What, what books would you recommend? And he, he gave me a list of books. And then I was taking an anthropology class and they're like, just go study whatever you want. It just has to be a local culture. So I chose video games. And it was like near the end of my uh, 
time. And I was just like, okay, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll give this a try. I'll see what happens. But I expect, you know, to go be studying, you know, the Battle of Waterloo or something later on. So I moved from college to go visit my family and I was trying to get stuff, you know, uh, interviews with people in New Zealand about how their point of view on uh, uh, movies and stuff because there's this weird thing going on where people show movies of Vikings and they end up showing Maori stuff instead. Uh, if you watch How to Train Your Dragon 2, there's a character with a, a moko. But it's only possible if he was gay. Okay, then. Yeah, anyway, sorry. But anyway, um, so I decided to continue the video game stuff, and I, I was touring places, and I asked people questions, and I ended up going to some conventions, and they enjoyed having me there, and they invited me to their meetings, and I started to ha go to the various meetings and stuff, and I just kept on going and it kept on working whereas all the academic stuff I was expecting never really happened so I ended up just being an anthropologist studying the native video gamer in the northwest <laughs> did you tag any <laughs> um, okay so is this a difficult field to study because obviously there's not that much history to it um, so like, obviously it's, it seems like it's more of a kind of a, a current study as opposed to historical research. Um, do you, do you run out of material? Cause like it, how quickly does it change? Um, it's an interesting thing because yes, there's only about 50 years of video game, uh, history that we'd have. It started around the 1960s, but we can also trace that back to the cultures that came beforehand. Like, the medieval fairs and how they created their own cultures that basically look like arcades or the term arcade is from the 19th century malls and uh, stuff like that. So we, we can trace it a bit further, but what I find interesting is every time I go into the culture, there's something new to find. That's kind of a saying in, in a, when you study linguistics is there's always another language you need to learn. There's always a bit of information you didn't know about and you, you have to go do a bunch of research on. So, yeah, I know more than you, but when I'm comparing myself to some of the locals, I know nothing. Okay. Okay. Um, how are you making money to do this? I mean, do you just get hired by random wealthy people to study other people? or I basically go through sponsors, sponsorships. I have a Patreon account, and um, I'm going to be releasing a book called The Native Video Gamer. Uh, it, I wrote it way too long, so now it's going to be like a five-part book. So that's that's kind of where I'm hoping and, uh, to move things. And it, it that is a big question is how do you make money as an anthropologist? Because they don't teach that to you in college. They basically tell you, congratulations, your life is interesting, you're unemployable. <laughs> that's basically how law school went. <laughs> well, we're not going to teach you how to make money, but just know that there's too many attorneys out there. <laughs> okay, so what what resources do you rely on in order to be able to, to study and learn this material in case there's somebody out there who wants to follow in your footsteps? Uh, well, if you're going to study video game history, there's two books that most people should read or should at least have. And that's the ultimate history of video games or the ultimate video game history book. 
And then Phoenix, the rise and fall of video games. Uh, Steve Kent wrote uh, the ultimate video game history book and Lenny Herman wrote Phoenix. And those, those two books are basically uh, the, the major books that everyone bases their other work on from. So if you're starting, read those two books, then move over to, you know, the other books around because you'll be able to uh, use those books as uh, sort of an anchor. There's also an, a website called Arcade History that basically goes through every single video game released and shows pictures and information about it. And it's just an absolutely amazing resource where you can literally follow what games were, rele were, released, were released and how they were released so that you can kind of see the ideas and movements of video games. Very cool. And Oh, sorry, go ahead. And if I were to tell you to go study video game culture, go to a video game culture place and just hang out. That's what a lot of anthropology is, is just hanging out. Is it weird being the, the odd one out, though? Uh, it's weird because I have to write anthropologist every time I, I sign up to be uh, at a convention and stuff. But... <laughs> They're just like, well, you're just one of the other volunteers. You're just also an anthropologist. And I've actually gotten a lot of support from it because people really want their culture to be known about. And they think I do a good job at it. Wonderful. Okay, so how long have you been doing this, Keith? Uh, about, let's see now, around 2012. So I guess eight years. Wonderful. Okay, so if you could go back in time and you could talk to little Keith, and you could say the next eight years are going to hold this incredible adventure in front of you, but you need to know like this one thing in order to make it just so much better. What would you say? You're not moving to Scotland. <laughs> Was that a life dream? <laughs> well, I, uh, near the end of my uh, time, I was writing two mm -hmm. different thesis papers at the same time. And I ended up with, I woke up one morning with a Scottish accent. And it was like just this heavy brogue and I couldn't get rid of it. And so I thought, well, I guess I better move to Scotland so that, you know, I could make, at least make it sound passable. <laughs> and so that's, that was a goal for the first three years after college was to move to Scotland and do work with them. And I never did. So I, I might as, I might as well tell them, Hey, you're not moving to Scotland, man. Okay. All you're right. just going to study video games. Hey, that's an awesome career too. Oh yeah. Right. So looking at, you know, other anthropologists or aspiring anthropologists, or even just individuals who like, this is really cool. I, I'd like to do this. What advice would you have for them in order to create a career out of it? Um, the first thing you need to know is you need to get a lot of people to see your work. And that's, that's a major uh, difficulty because there's a lot of people that are trying to get noticed right now. And so there's, there's not a lot of people looking at anthropology. So you have to make sure they know what you are and what you're doing so that you can get their attention so that they can start to sponsor you. Okay. Uh, also, a really important thing is if you're helping out at conventions and you prove you're really good at helping out, people will open doors for you like nothing else. 
I have never paid for a ticket for any of the conventions I've ever gone to. I will have to remember that. <laughs> okay. Um, how, how, do you, how do you do that? How do you volunteer? Uh, most uh, conventions actually have a volunteer set up. In fact, some of them will pay you to be there, uh, especially in the Northwest. Uh, it's required that if the, if the convention makes money or it's for profit, they have to pay you. So if you're in Seattle, you're going to get $15 an hour to be working at this convention. And you just have to accept that. And then uh, just sign up at their website, tell them what you'd like to do, and they'll kind of schedule you around. And then what you ought to do is on your breaks, they'll give you a pass, just walk around and talk to people. All right, beautiful, beautiful. All right, so I know you, um, you're more present facing in your, your profession, but I'm gonna ask you to project out five years. Where do you think gaming culture is gonna go? It looks like it's breaking up a little. Like there, we have these games that are kind of story-like. Um, and I think a lot of movie maker type people are trying to make games like that where, you know, you have some interaction, but really it's a movie, uh, this interactive movie type story. And then we have the games that we know where you're just constantly moving around, constantly uh, exploring and stuff. And it doesn't look like the people who buy the interactive games or interactive stories are really playing the same games as the giant world exploration type games. And then we have VR, which is its own thing unto itself. So, you know, it, it looks like it's kind of breaking apart because it's become so big. All right. So you could, uh, I like to call it clans where, you know, you're part of the retro school uh, clan and then you might be the arcade clan, but you might not be in the VR clan, and you know nothing about VR. We have Jess and Sharks, huh? <laughs> yeah. So I want to say thank you so much. I feel absolutely validated now, because anytime I get asked that question, I keep talking about how gaming seems to be becoming siloed. Everybody's kind of being broken off into their own little mm -hmm. things. So an anthropologist agrees with me. <laughs> yeah. Woot. All right. Okay. Now I want to talk about you a little more personally, if I can. And okay. if possible, I would like to humble you because I okay. believe that we learn more from our failures than from our, our successes. At least from our failures, we have the opportunity to examine what went wrong and to be able to improve and, and iterate. So what is something that you have failed at, Keith? Uh, in, in anthropology? At all. Um, because we're all human, we all make mistakes. Unless ooh. your results show that we're not all human. <laughs> We're all robots. We just don't realize it. Um, I think one of the biggest mistakes I've made is thinking that somebody is going to assume that they're foreign. I think one of the biggest, uh, through anthropology, a lot of groups, they just live their lives and you go in and you're like, I'm going to study the foreign people. And they're like, we're not foreign. You are. And you have to accept that. Oh, wait. This is their life. They don't consider themselves foreign. I'm the foreigner. And so that's, that's something I've, I've had to deal with throughout my uh, career in life. But another thing that I've really had to uh, worry about or think about is if I'm not in a clan directly, I sometimes think that this other clan isn't as big as it is. And that be has become a, a mistake I've made a couple times. 
Like I thought the arcade people wouldn't be as big as they are. And I, when I first went to one of their meetings, I was expecting it to be a little living room, about 10 people there and total about 20 arcade games would be at this convention. And it turns out they were going to have three, three, 400 plus arcade machines. There was 50 people at this meeting. They had to get catering in just for this planning meeting. And I mean, they were these super well-organized, super knowledgeable people with, you know, 10, 15 games each all sitting there going, yeah, yeah, let's do this. And I didn't even know they existed. That is so interesting. Like, I people love their stuff, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. And every time I'm at conventions like that, I'm like, oh, I don't know about this game. And somebody will come be, come in and be like, oh, well, you see, the history behind this game is, and they, they just know this machine like it's a family member. Uh, oh, wonderful. All right, so um, talk more about you. What is something, you know, other than what we just discussed, something that you're trying to improve on in yourself? My writing skills. I, I just I would wrote, imagine after two theses, you're, uh, you're probably pretty good. Uh, honestly, theses are pretty boring and badly written. They just go, okay, yeah, it works. There you go. <laughs> they, they, they already know it's never going to be read again, so they, they don't try too hard with it. They're like, okay, your argument works. I love it. My, my law review paper wasn't even graded, but it was, <laughs> it was three quarters footnotes. <laughs> exactly. So, all right. Um, where do you go from here? Is it you just lifelong study or are you looking to do something more? Well, I, since I've worked with conventions and stuff, I kind of want to do my own conventions just to see what it's like. And I hang out with arcade people so much, I kind of want to start my own arcade. Uh, when I lived in Hawaii, I actually uh, worked at an arcade. And so now I'm just like, man, I, I've got this itch. I want to I wanna run an arcade. And I also want to do uh, what I'm calling artsy conventions, where you show up and you, they just kind of make this whole new world where you have to go and explore. And you have volunteers who are actors and they just make up this kind of world that you have to figure out. And then in a weekend, it's gone. I think one of the easier ones is a uh, haunted maze, only you have a laser tag. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Right on. I'd love to see that. Let me know when you pull it together. Yeah, I kind of wanted, I want to do it. I just, there's like steps. I'm like, I don't know how to do that. Mm -hmm. I don't know who to contact just yet on how to do that. Okay. Well, maybe I might be able to get you in touch with somebody. Uh, but Keith, this has been so cool. How do people find you? How do they reach out to you? You can find me at, uh, basically you see Alfred909 or 909 on uh, Twitter or other places. That's me. And I'm also Keith Haas and I'm going to be releasing some books uh, soon. I don't know when. They're still in editing and editing is taking forever. So first I have to get people to read the book and then I have to get people to finish the book because... I'm like, okay, this book is boring. I know that's, please tell me where the boring parts are, but continue reading. So I feel for you because, you know, academic books, you kind of, it does have to be a little more professional. My book, I didn't have an editor. I read through it one time and that's like the most I've ever read any of my work. And I'm like, 
if there's anything wrong, I'm sure the haters will let me know. That's the second edition. <laughs> That's a smart move. I like that move. All right. <laughs> I'll have All to right. Try that out. Keith, this has been absolutely wonderful. Uh, do you have any last thoughts or anything that I didn't ask you think we still need to talk about? Um, there's something about video games that people don't realize, and I'll try to explain it as quickly as I can. A lot of our history we say came from good and noble men who were always wise and knew what they were doing. And the truth is, no, they didn't know what they were doing. Quite often, they were idiots, but they were kind of doing the best they could. So it, a lot of video game progress came from idiots, lunatics, and crooks. And it kind of chose out kind of a, a dweebish minority group. And because of that, we can actually predict and explain a lot of our modern culture through video games. A lot of the things that we're seeing today, we've seen already happen in video games beforehand. So we can predict and figure out what's going to happen next based on what's happening in video games now. Okay. So if you, oh, go ahead. Sorry. So if you study video games, you're going to be able to be like, oh, hey, this is coming up. I've already seen this. I know it's going to happen. Okay. Is it still a minority group? Because it really seems like the, the generation under me, I'm a millennial, so Gen Z, they all play. True. Uh, that is a good point. That there are a lot more people playing right now. We do have to be careful how we give the numbers. Like we, we would say like PlayStation 2 sold 160 million, but it looks more like they had 30 to 40 million players, which is a tenth of the population of the U.S. And that's worldwide. Sure. I mean, somebody so, built a supercomputer out of PS2, so oh, you got yeah. for that. <laughs> yes, they built uh, supercomputers uh, from the PS3 uh, for a couple uh, military bases. <laughs> All right, Keith Haas, thank you so much for coming on with us today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Having me. Absolutely. And on that note, I'm going to remind everybody, don't be just a gamer, be a gamerpreneur.